Coming up on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show. This week in Jeep, you're going to hear what kind of a Jeep you can get for a quarter million dollars, and some of the features would have even Tony Stark jealous. And the Jeep Gladiator just won a very prestigious award. You're going to find out what it all means. We break down the reality behind trail radio rebranding. Buyer beware. Have you ever heard of a wet weather trail repair kit? Well, you have now. And in Tech Talk, you're going to find out what these are and how to get one in your Jeep. And we take a look at the must-have pick of the week for your Jeep this week. And Tammy teaches us the therapeutic benefits of wrenching on a Jeep in Jeep life. All this and much more on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. This week's show is brought to you by Extreme Terrain, Wrangler Off-Road Parts and Accessories Outfitter. Stay tuned for later in this episode to hear about Meredith Ephesus' latest Throttle Out, featuring a wicked Deegan 38 and Terraflex-themed JLU Rubicon build that you'll want to see for yourself. You know, Josh, we're work- working uh, with uh, Extreme Terrain and uh, Meredith to have her on as a guest here probably uh, next month. Wow, a, a borderline celebrity. Would that be E-list celebrity <laughs> or something like that? No, no that would be really cool to have Meredith on. That will be, uh, be a lot of fun. Borderline? She's shaking her head going, come on, Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> People are getting my autographs over here. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps. This show's for you. Josh, Timmy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about... Me, me. Oh, it's Jeeps. Why, why? All day long. That's going to be copyrighted. Watch. There'll be a takedown notice for that. For that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Warner Brothers has issued a cease and desist to a well-known Jeep talk show. <laughs> hey, I'm Tony, and these pretzels are making me thirsty. Is that a movie quote? Why I, it sounds familiar. I don't know. Hey, I'm, I'm Josh. And nothing gets me going in the morning like starting fluid. <laughs> oh, I've uh, I've been watching a lot of Seinfeld. That's uh, a line oh, from Seinfeld. Okay, <laughs> there. That's where I recognized it from. <laughs> oh, another takedown notice. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's this week in Jeep, and the award goes to. Well, the many Jeep owners around the world, Toledo, Ohio is probably the most recognized city of all the cities in the United States because Toledo is where they make Jeeps. And now one Jeep model is being called the best of its kind. The Toledo-made Jeep Gladiator was just officially named the 2020 North American Truck of the Year, giving the Glass City and the Jeep brand as a whole a whole nother honor to be proud of. To win the award, trucks are judged on a number of criteria, including innovation, design, safety, handling, driver satisfaction, and value for the dollar. The Gladiator beat out the Ford Ranger and the Ram Heavy Duty for features like the soft top removable roof and doors that make it the one-of-a-kind truck we already know it is. Congrats to Jeep for winning an award in a category previously dominated by full-size trucks with a first-gen pickup right out of the gate. That's amazing. Um, I don't know. Can Jeep do anything wrong? Well, I, you know, I'm, well. I'm remembering. I'm, I'm sorry. I forgot about the new Cherokee, the Renegade. Yeah, well, there's those, you know. <laughs> no, this really is kind of a big deal because I mean, I, at least, you know, in recent history, can't recall an automaker who with the first generation of a first vehicle, you know, that, I mean, Jeep hasn't made a pickup in you know, 20, 30 years. Right. So, you know, for, for them to create the Gladiator, bring that back as a pickup, you know, and and then win an award for it right out the right off the base. You know, 
first year out, I mean, that is amazing. So, I mean, kudos to Jeep and congratulations. Well, I mean, if they're basing uh, the the award uh, on sales, uh, I'm sure a lot of well, <laughs> a big a, a big bump came from SEMA because everybody and their mama had to have a uh, have a, a gladiator out there. Now, Josh, have you seen one of these in in person? A gladiator? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, now, I haven't seen very many around here. Uh, I've uh, over the the past uh, couple of months, I guess, I've been seeing them more and more. Like I I may, I may have seen a total of about three or four here in Southeast oh, okay. Texas. All and, right. and the thing is, is that it doesn't look, it doesn't look very um, rugged. It doesn't look very, it's kind of skinny and narrow and it doesn't, very, it doesn't look um, well, it, it definitely looks like a Jeep from the front, but it, something about it just doesn't look very rugged to me. Have you, do you get a sense of that? It, it's almost like it's, yes, um, yes, but only on the sport editions, really. That when I when I see a Rubicon, it's like, oh, okay, that's what they're kind of supposed to look like, you know. So, but when I see like the sport models or, or you know the base trim model, uh, it, it, it you're right. It does look a little stripped down. It does look a little, I don't know, a little skinny, Anemic. a little rickety or something. I, I don't, I don't know. You're right. There is a difference, definitely a marked difference. So I'd, I'd say if I mean if you're if you're going for a, a gladiator for looks, uh, you probably want to step well, up to the Rubicon trim level. That's not really a Jeep thing anyway. I mean that's kind of the beauty, uh, if you pardon the pun, of a Jeep. It's it's ugly, but it's it, it's very unique and it's very capable. So uh, that, well, I that ugliness the, is kind of pretty. When the JKUs first came out, um, I was like, look at this plasticky piece of crap, you know. And and yeah. it turned out, you know, well, JKU is one of the better Jeeps that they they made in a long time. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a huge uh, a TJ uh, TJ fan uh, as well. But uh, you know, the JKU was certainly um, certainly has proved itself. Uh, the Gladiator. Well, I mean, it's already winning awards, so I mean, it's proving itself right off the bat. But uh, you know, I think it's got a little bit of uh, a little bit of teeth cutting to go through before uh, I think we really, really soften up to its appearance. The uh, you know bigger bigger tires in a lift always think make things look more you know more beefy and stuff. But it's just I think it's not the front of the Jeep. I think it's looking at it from the back of the Jeep. It looks kind of anemic, and you know, it just dawned on me. Uh, I really I, I got here through the full size truck uh, world, the four, mm. full size uh, four wheel drive, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at the uh, Comanches uh, way back then. I had an eighty three uh, full size pickup, and I remember looking at the Comanche, and it, it looked anemic. So maybe it's just a perspective thing, and it could be. There really isn't a whole lot of you know uh, mid sized trucks on the market right now, except for the new Ranger and and the Toyota. Um, really, you know, I mean, Chevy has got the Colorado, it's been around for a little while, uh, and you know, these are, these are tried and true lines that, you know, Chevy and GM and, um, you know, Ford have really put a lot of uh, effort and time and money into. Now the Wrangler, I mean, as far as the Gladiator goes, it was more or less three quarters of the way designed already. (laughs) You've got a rank, you know, a a JKU for, you know, three quarters of this Jeep. So, or at least, you know, two thirds of it, you know, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of design, I think that has that this, this vehicle needs to grow into, um, first year out, it's winning awards. It looks good. If you get, you know, the top of line trim, or you spend some time and money in modifying it, getting it up in the air a little bit, getting some bigger tires on it. And honestly, I think that's where most of the anemic look comes from with the, with the, uh, the, the lesser trim model, uh, uh, gladiators you get some bigger tires on there and they really grow up fast. They, they look a lot better with some more meat on them. Which is, which is true of any, uh, any Jeep and, and most uh, vehicles. 
Hell, even if it's a, a car, you put big tires and a lift on it, it looks pretty good. <laughs> well, you know, rims and tire make the vehicle. You know, it just dawned on me, I may have seen more gladiators and didn't know it. Because if you see this coming down the road on the opposite, opposite side of the road, oh yeah, you're just looking at a JK or a JL, you know, to, to me. Uh, you're right. So. A blink of an eye, you don't know the difference until you kind of get it over in the peripheral and you see that, oh, hey, it's got a bed. Okay, that was a gladiator. All right. <laughs> oh, and, and thank God, that at least for this uh, Jeep pickup, they didn't have to do a, a uniframe. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> half unibody, half frame. You know, yeah. like they did with the Comanches. I know. I wish they would have just put a frame under that thing. I, but, well, I, whatever. I still would like to have a Comanche. Comanches are just so damn sexy to me. But then again, I'm a big Cherokee fan. Well, I'm a fan of money. I'm pretty sure just about everybody listening to this is too. And if money was no object, I'm sure we'd all have a pretty sweet Jeep. And if you've owned your Jeep for a bit now and have spent any amount of money on it, making it your own, well, then you uh, have undoubtedly had those what-if-money-was-no-object dreams. Now, it seems an Irving, California business has taken this dream and made it a reality in their own vision. And to some, what they've done leaves us wondering just how much Jeep is really left over. Much like other performance companies, like Hennessy Performance, for instance, who brought to us a 0-60 to 60 mile per hour in 2.7 seconds, 1,000-horsepower Grand Cherokee Trackhawk, well, Resvani Motors takes an average four-door Jeep Wrangler and turns it into an ungodly machine of raw power and absolute authority. And it can be yours for just over a quarter million dollars. Quote-unquote, designed for defense, built for the road, Resvani Motors presents to you the toughest and most powerful road-going extreme utility vehicle on Earth, the Jeep Tank Military Edition. I hope you're sitting down because here's what a six-figure Jeep gets you. And first off, before we go any further, no, it does not have a rotating turret that shoots 105 millimeter rounds at people who go too slow in the fast lane. (laughs) I know, I know. Now, what it does share with something like an M1 Abrams is this, bulletproof glass and body armor all around, including underside explosive protection, you know, for when the trucker bomb thrown from that semi in front of you turns out to be a cleverly disguised incendiary device. Now, this includes a self-sealing fuel tank, radiator protection, and a highly reinforced suspension system. Let's say you need to rescue the wife's labradoodle from the middle of the blown-up nail and spike factory at night. Well, then the equipped military-grade run-flat tires and the thermal night vision system will get you in and out with no worries. And if for some reason you need to suddenly go all James Bond by crashing through a door and covering your Xville behind a spy hunter-like smokescreen, well, then this Jeep has both the bumpers and the smokescreen deployment system to get the job done. And speaking of getting the job done, powered by a 1,000-horsepower 6.2-liter Demon V8, you will traverse any terrain you want with ease. And in order to stop all that raw power and mass, the brakes have been overhauled with massive 16-inch rotors and 8 piston calipers all around, ensuring this tank can stop on a dime. Not that you were at all daydreaming of completely screeching through that crosswalk half sideways, wiping out at least three man-bun-sporting hipsters. But if you need to let them know that they need to watch where you're going, it also has siren and horn options not available to the rest of the auto market that you can use to scare the Starbucks right out of those screen addicts in the crosswalk, paying more attention to their phone than where they're going. The outraged horde of millennials that will be attacking you can also try as they might to get in or even reach your new Jeep, since it has a full suite of defense systems including disorienting strobe lights, high-power wide-spectrum blinding lights, and a full intercom system for inside and outside communication to keep them at bay. And if your warnings to stay away from your Jeep were not heated, then you can rest safe knowing the electrified door handles and magnetic deadbolts will keep what's inside the Jeep 
safe and sound from forced intrusion. Now, even when the electromagnetic pulse from a nuclear detonation has wiped out all the electronics of your neighbor's Prius, your Jeep is fully protected behind its built-in EMP protection. And speaking of protection, you'll also get military-grade first aid kits, gas masks, and hypothermia kits should you need to deal with the coming nuclear winter. Of course, we'll be laughing later around the campfire at everything that was caught on the video feed from the 360-degree onboard continuous video recording system that this thing has. If starting price of over $250,000 is just a bit outside of your budget, then Resvani Motors has both the Tank and Tank X models starting at $155,000. If you want to see the images of this thing for yourself or to order one, we'll have the link in the description for the show notes of this episode. We just insist that you insist that we get a commission when you get when you cut that check. Yeah, that'd be great. Josh, uh, did you make a Spy Hunter reference? I did. <laughs> <laughs> where did where did that come from? And Timely how, reference. And how long have Timely. you been sitting on that one? Oh, <laughs> ages, ages, my friend. <laughs> so I'm thinking the uh, Toyota FJ Cruiser has never looked better. I uh, didn't know that they were going to put all these features in a uh, uh, an FJ. So you're right. On on initially, this thing does look like somebody took an FJ Cruiser and massaged it into what we see here. It is absolutely not an FJ Cruiser, though. It is 100% a Jeep Wrangler JKU. Oh, there's uh, not 100% Jeep about this at all. <laughs> no, no, that's what I'm saying. Is, is after they've done all the modifications, you got to wonder just how much Jeep is really left behind this thing. And I would say probably about the only thing that's left is going to be the frame. Oh, the knob. Um, yeah. Maybe the mirrors. I, I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's really what? not much left that is Jeep on this. And yes, Tony, you're 100% right. It does look a little bit more reminiscent of a, a Toyota FJ Cruiser than it does a, a Jeep JKU. Um, but in, in that regard, I mean, that it, the similarities pretty much stop right there. Oh, absolutely. Um, there, are, there are three versions of this, uh, of the tank. The one that I have in the show notes that we'll probably be sharing the image of in the, uh, on, on the website is of the military version. The, uh, the tank and the tank X versions are slightly different than this, but, uh, but not much. Uh, obviously, the, the, the features and everything are slightly different as well. Uh, hence the difference in the price tag. So, but yeah, I mean, this is this is what a quarter million dollars or more will get you as far as a Jeep is concerned. Uh, something that you could likely survive the apocalypse in. So, uh, what is it that these people don't understand about nice flat doors, flat windshield, yeah, flat? Know, right? <laughs> a Jeep has lots of flats, uh, flat no, surfaces. No, you not, know, not not in these people's mind. Uh, that's what I'm telling you. I, I, I see these people taking these. Uh, uh, Toyota uh, pickups and and loading them up with the overlanding stuff, and they're all curvy and sleek. And you know, I'm maybe thinking it has to myself, to do why? with the radar why? profile, or you know, I don't know. Well, it's, see, it's that's another reason for it to be flat because you want to, <laughs> you have need a lot of angles. I could really get behind a stealth Jeep. I think that would be really cool. Oh, a stealth fighter Jeep. Yeah, yeah you know, like the original stealth one, and not not these new curvy ones. <laughs> it'd be and, and, it'd be great to be able to evade, evade police radar, wouldn't it? Uh, that it would, in fact, but in, uh, that's for another episode, I think. Hey, if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories here, well, be sure to let us know what you have to say by phone or by email. Give you any number of ways to chime in. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Now, Josh, I, I think you know this about me. I try to let people know when they can get a good deal on something or oh, yeah. or good quality over savings even. I mean, it, it, like, uh, it may be expensive, but I know the quality is so good that it's worth it. Uh, and I think most people are the same way I am. 
So, you know, uh, I have a little uh, background in radio. So when people start talking about the uh, rugged radios, I always think about the really cheap handheld uh, radio they sell. The RH5R, I believe, is the uh, rugged model. Uh, recently, someone posted on uh, Facebook how you could get one of these for $68 instead of the normal $85 price. The, the rugged RH5R is what I'm talking about. I was like, what? Holy hell. How could that be? $85 for one of these handhelds? Now, if we were talking Icom, Yezu, yeah, I can see it costing that or even more. But yeah. but you can easily identify this RH5R is just a rebranded Bofing UV5R, um, which you can get from Amazon for $29.95. I- oh, my God. It totally is. <laughs> it is 100% a Bofing. Yeah, it is. It, it, no, well, they just put their own sticker over the top of it. so i'm like you know i was like just amazed at this of course i did a little digging and thanks to uh, john from our uh, radio contact segments i was able to figure out what the uh, rugged handheld radio was pre that it's pre-programmed with commercial frequencies that are shared by uh, rugged and several of the services including hospitals you know i made a a comment about the uh, the group that i went with they were using ambulance frequencies Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll come to find out. That's one of the rugged frequencies oh, that they had set up on that. Well, you're, that's what you're paying. You're paying $50 for somebody to program a few frequencies, including a, a, you know emergency services frequency that you shouldn't be using. But, well, okay. More like, more like 55 <laughs> you know, if $5 makes any difference. But, uh, but I don't know if you, if you guys are aware of this. Now, one of the things that the gentleman uh, – uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. One of the things the guy that was telling me about – uh, they've tried using uh, a Bofing radio and rugged radios, and they couldn't figure out a way to communicate between the two of them. Well, so, it, so it wasn't the same in, in his mind. It wasn't the same type of radio. It may look the same. I mean, they they looked at them and they said, "Oh, okay." They look but, identical. Well, they are. I mean, they are identical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 he couldn't. The problem was is that they're programmed with the names of a channel that uh, rugged has come up with. And not displaying the frequency, so you can't just tune in the frequency oh, on the the cheaper the cheaper radio. So there's a way around this, folks. You can get a, a nine dollar cable uh, off of Amazon. Use some free software called Chirp. You know, just like a bird would the noise a bird would make, uh, and uh, the Chirp software. And uh, you need a computer, of course. Everybody has one these days. Uh, then you could download the names and frequencies from that rugged 5H, uh, I'm sorry, uh, RH5R and program a $29.95 Bofing UV5R with those same names and frequencies. And boom, you just save 55 bucks and you got the exact same thing. Now, there's nothing wrong with a company adding value and charging for it, but $55, that's yeah, not the total price, a- that's $55 more than what the Bofing calls. I mean, you could buy a whole nother radio and the cables and the software and all that for that price. So you get basically two radios and the ability to custom program them any way you want for the price that you get one of these radios for. Uh, for like 75 bucks, Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the problem that I have with this. Um, oh, and if you, if you want to make sure you get a blue Bofang radio, well, you can get that from Amazon as well. And they also have them in red and yellow or just the traditional black. I have one of these radios. I've had one for years, uh, and I've, uh, I've, I've 
put a, a, an extra large battery on it, an extra large antenna. So I've got all kinds of things for it. And I think I spent, you know, 75 cents because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all the stuff is just so cheap. Uh, and I think it's great for the ham radio world because uh, radios that were inexpensive like this, and, and, and they are inexpensive radios. The quality is just not, not really there. Yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, like, again, you know, I like a capitalist society, but I think it's, uh, I, I think it's, the onus is basically on people that have more information, or in my case, think they do, <laughs> to alert everybody of a way to do things yourself and save money. I mean, frankly, I'd like to have more money to buy G parts than radio stuff, especially when these radios are really, uh, by Jeepers anywhere, being used for communications out on the trail. Yeah. Well, and, and, and th- this sort of stuff is is almost like r- like race radio. I mean, that that's where rugged radio yeah, got is. their got their, uh, uh, their their reputation from was was from providing you know uh, r- radio and communication systems for race teams, um, where you know CB radios just aren't going to cut it or aren't frankly rugged oh. enough to to you know make it through something like you know a, a hammers or a Baja one thousand race length of the antennas. All there's all kinds oh, yeah, of problems with, with CB yeah. and that and that. So I mean, they they definitely are filling a niche. I mean, yeah. you know, kudos to them for for stepping up to the plate and and making this sort of stuff happen. But uh, this makes me uh, kind of feel greasy and dirty when I see yeah a stuff little like bit this. a little bit. You know, I've only looked into the RH five R from Rugged, but the other radios they sell look very familiar. More rebranded radios? I think so. So I'd like to know if you've bought a rugged radio. Um, did you know there was a much cheaper alternative to for the same exact radio? And if you if so, would you still buy the rugged radio today? Let us know. We'd like to hear more about the rugged radios from you. So Tony, we're talking back the, about the frequencies that these radios use. Now they're preset. Unless you are, you know, the ty- type of person um, who's interested in in reprogramming these radios. You might be just fine with using whatever preset um, channels that they have. Now, the issue that I, I'm curious about is, does that mean that these radios are going to squash you know, um, other people that are using these same frequencies? If there is an ambulance, for instance, that is you know, on standby in Johnson Valley for King of the Hammers, and they need to communicate... Are they going to get uh, a lot of you know interference and stuff with all these people you know on the in the race circuit that are using, for instance, these radios using those frequencies? You know, I, I don't know. I think it's a valid question. Well, this is kind of uh, there's been uh, within the last couple of years there was a big uh, hubbub with the FCC specifically about the Bofring radios because they were um, they're too easy to use on on all kinds of frequencies. They're they're wide open. For the VHF UHF, it's not just the hand bands on those uh, on VHF UHF, and this is part of the problem because uh, they don't want interference with other services, and you certainly don't want interference uh, on uh, something that is providing a, a medical service, emergency oh, medical yeah. or uh, recovery or anything. But uh, you know, I, I forgot to mention that they're actually uh, licensed with the FCC for the range of frequencies that they have put on their rugged radios, at least on the uh, RH5R that I, I looked into, but those uh, frequencies are shared with I think over 720 other uh, companies services. So yes, you potentially could interfere with somebody else uh, in a critical situation. Now Man. keep in mind that this is a uh, I think it's uh, I think it's standard five watt out. There's a low power setting on the uh, on the, the Belfing. 
but um and it's just a, a rubber ducky antenna sometimes uh they come with much shorter antennas than the, the one i have so if you're out in the woods talking on this thing chances are very good unless there's a fellow jeeper that's being picked up by an ambulance or emergency rescue is out there you probably would not have a problem uh interfering the the great thing to do is just listen a lot more than what you talk make sure the frequency is clear before you uh, before you start transmitting, and a lot of that stuff will be taken taken care of. Now these rugged radios can be programmed for a, a vast array of frequencies, including uh, was it GPRS and uh, um, uh, FRS. They can be used on those frequencies, not necessarily legally. But yeah, they can say, be programmed for those a little, frequencies. A little high in wattage for for some of those frequencies. It, uh, very I true, believe. very true, and that's why it makes it so interesting for these frequencies that rugged has purchased or licensed from the FCC. Um, I don't know. You know, your mileage may vary. Uh, you can certainly buy the rugged radios, but I think I would look just into the cable and the chirp software, free software. And, uh, if you, if you know somebody has a, a rugged uh, radio, this, uh, you can just get it, download the stuff and then program up a inexpensive radio and, uh, help share it with your friends. There you go. Well, good information, Tony. Thanks for uh, for sharing that. Coming up at Deck Talk, imagine this. Something just broke. You're facing about 90 minutes of trail repair in the rain. Everything is wet, greasy, and muddy. Now what? We've got some tips that'll make what happens next a lot easier. Hey, Jeep Talk Show. This is the FM Jeeper calling. Wishing everybody a happy week, and uh, the weekend's coming. So hopefully people are getting out there and either snow wheeling or getting on the trail been a while since I've uh, called in because I'm kind of neck deep in rust holes in my floor pants. So uh, the video should be coming out uh, pretty soon on my channel for that. Uh, also, just once again, saying hi. And also, if you guys get a chance, check out uh, Nate WSB Crawler, uh, his, his channel. He's got something real special coming out uh, Friday night, uh, something pretty unique featuring, uh, I don't want to get into it too much, but Check it out. It's going to be pretty cool. Hope you guys have a good week and talk to you soon. Well, see, this just pisses me off. We've banned Nate from this channel, and now he's getting yeah. people to call in <laughs> and talk about his no, shit we, on our show. We we haven't banned <laughs> Nate. It's, you know, all, all's fair and, and fun in podcasting, oh, I suppose. Oh, God. <laughs> whenever, whenever I hear Nate's name or that uh, SWB crawler thing, I, uh, I immediately go in attack mode. It's just something about Nate. I would just... If I was around Nate, he would uh, he would either uh, find a deep hole to get into or plan uh, 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 or plan to kill me. One of the two things, because I would just be on him all like a duck on a June bug. <laughs> oh, we love Nate. <laughs> Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Hey, Tony and Josh, it's Tammy in cold Colorado. So what a busy week it's been. Been in the garage most of the week. We're working on, I call it the Jeep mashup, but Neil doesn't think it's cool enough. Um, he wants to call it like the ultimate Jeep or the extreme Jeep. We're fixing a rugged Jeep. LJ with a TJ and a CJ, and we're doing an LS swap. So, so far this week, we got part of the TJ frame welded to the LJ frame. The tires are on. We got to get the body put on the engine. That's all left to do. But 
Neil is going to be doing a detailed video that we'll have on our Patreon page, that's for Patreon supporters only, on how he did the cut from the TJ frame and attached it to the LJ frame. So that's really cool. It's going to look so awesome. We're still looking for a cowl for the CJ7. So if anyone out there knows where we can get a hold of one, give me a shout. Um, and what else? Oh, uh, some Jeep girl brought in her Cherokee because she heard Jeep or she heard Neil is like the Jeep wizard. Um, and whoever worked on her Jeep laugh last didn't do a very good job. They like Jerry rigged her cross member and didn't use the proper drop kit for it. So we fixed that and, um, he found some other issues. You should see her right driver's side tire. It is so bald on just one side. Um, so she's got some more work that she needs to be done on that. Ball and, joint. you know, this wrenching therapy is so good for me, especially with my emotional issues um, with my kids and all that junk, the separation. But being in the garage is amazing. And I'm learning so much and um, I did do something that everyone thought was really bad, but I was asked to do it. I organized Neil's <laughs> tools. And oh, no. in the process, I found two 10-millimeter sockets. Yeah. <laughs> and I am selling them on the black market. If anyone wants one, contact me. The bids keep going up and up and up. So it's been a real exciting time in the garage wrenching. Um, doing this extreme Jeep mashup build and working on an XJ, learning about underneath how all that works and the XJ is pretty cool. So this has been a really great experience. I'm excited. We are going to be reaching out to companies to um, try to get sponsorships so we can get on the road and start doing some wheeling. Uh, we plan on being in Kingman, Arizona, for March Madness, which is near the end of March. So that'll be fun. I'm going to meet some folks there who I've wheeled with before on this last adventure. So anyway, that's been our week. I hope you guys are doing good. I really, really, really miss you guys chatting with you. And Tony, who do you pick on now? I just, I don't know what you're going to do. So <laughs> till next time, you guys enjoy the Jeep life. Uh, pick on Nate. Yeah, you know they they had March Madness in uh, February, but uh, no, nobody showed up. They everybody came late. Uh, you know, in March, so they had to move it to March. So that's that's the reason why they did that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, too funny, too funny. Yeah, uh, I think she's got a whole bunch of snow coming her way. We just had a whole bunch of uh, uh, winter weather kind of uh, blow just north of us, uh, but I think it's sort of tracking that way towards uh, where she's at. But it sounds like she's going to be uh, in, in Arizona here in the near future. So uh, uh, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of winter weather there. So we'll probably probably hearing from uh, from Mitch here in the later in the show about uh, uh, where we can go topless. Maybe Arizona's on the list. Who knows? So I don't know about you, Josh, but I uh, I've learned uh, the 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 fastest way to get kicked out of a garage is to rearrange people's tools. When she said that, I cringed. <laughs> honestly, honestly, because I mean, I, I I've worked for a decade or more using my tools as my livelihood, and, and I mean, I've still got stickers on my toolboxes to this day. Don't touch my tools, you know. So yeah, anybody out there who's a tradesman or who, who you know lives by his tools, 
probably comes from the same mentality. You don't touch my tools. You definitely don't reorganize them. You, so I, I can't even imagine that. So, I mean, I'm sure it was all, you know, good intentions oh, and everything yeah. like that. But, uh, but hey, you know, she found two 10 millimeter sockets. So, I mean, that's that's brownie points regardless. Well, I'm sure Hitler had great intentions as well. And, well, uh, Tony, <laughs> <laughs> you are not comparing Tammy to Hitler. Oh, no, Holy no, I'm just cow. saying. <laughs> he he was really good at organizing, and uh, if, you know if the uh, if the shoes fit, so you know if the if the goose step fits. <laughs> you got tech questions? Oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good because I can. It's tech talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! You know, it never fails. You've done this trail a dozen times if you've done it even once, but something is different this time. A rock has moved that. Stump is way undercut now, and ah, crap, before you know it, you're off your line, and bam, trail carnage. Now, if you go off-road enough, something will inevitably happen where it's either find somebody to tow you to safety, or you fix something some way, here and now, to get back on your way under your own power. Sometimes trail repairs are as simple as replacing a fuse or wrapping a hose with enough tape, and everybody can get on their way before anyone has a chance to even water the flowers. And sometimes it's a full axle shaft swap while the Jeep is in deep rocks, and it's dusk, and it's raining sideways, and it's no fun. But when it's just you and another rig, and you're not getting that C-clip Jeep out of these rocks with a broken axle, you got to do what you got to do. Now, we can spend an entire show on what to carry for any given trail repair scenario, and honestly, we'd likely end up having a list longer than what your Jeep has room to carry. And besides, everybody knows their own Jeep's weak points best, has their own tips and tricks for dealing with the typical kinds of breaks out on the trail that they'll incur, and usually carries parts and tools accordingly. So I'll have big lists for, I'll save the big list for another show and focus on a couple of key tips that will make dealing with a trail repair in inclement weather a bit easier. A lot of this will come down to preparation, as it does with a lot of things in the Jeep world. Obviously, if the forecast is clear for four days either side of your trip in the middle of July, well, then likely you're not going to need to be planning to deal with a whole lot of inclement weather too much. But if you wheel in the spring, in wetter climates like mine, or where a rainstorm can roll in with little to no warning, then you want to have some key items that will make a trail repair easier to deal with in that kind of weather. Now, one of the things that can just utterly take the wind out of your sails during a trail repair is getting wet. High-end uh, high rain suits would do the job of keeping you plenty dry, but they are generally real thick, they take up a fair amount of room, and aren't what I call fun to crawl around in, and if they get torn, well, they're usually kind of expensive to replace. Cheap survival-style rain suits are thin, easily replaced or stored in multiples, and do a decent job of keeping the majority of the rain coming down and the water already on the trail from getting into your undies. And if you stag a pant leg or a sleeve on a tree root or a rock, then no biggie. These things can oftentimes be had for under five bucks, and if you really want to cheap out and go with the poncho style, then you can get them for a dollar or less. So having a couple on hand really isn't out of the question. Now let's say you need to get under your Jeep out on a muddy trail in the rain. Now having something to lay down on that isn't sopping wet and muddy or that won't soak up the trail water like a piece of cardboard would, then it would make the process not as bad as it could be otherwise. Cheap small size tarps from your local hardware store or discount tool store like Northern Tool or Harbor Freight work great for this. And when you're all done and it's time to fold up that greasy, wet, and muddy tarp, you just want to throw it into the back of your into the back seat? Well, of course not. Nor do you want all that grime and muck to find its way out of the folds in that tarp and into the interior of your Jeep. Now, those big clothing bags from department stores work great as trail repair tarp chuck bags. 
If storing a couple of Macy bags in a pouch somewhere in your Jeep clashes with your manliness, well, then head down to your local tire shop and talk them out of a few tire bags. They take up hardly any room and work great as a place to put that wet and muddy tarp after you're done with your trailside repair, and doubles as a place to chuck rags, spent gloves, and another debris without people questioning your manhood. Now, when you get home, you can deal with it then, or if the tarp inside is disposable to you, well, then you can throw the whole thing out and replace it with some fresh supplies. After all, you're not going to be doing a trail repair in the rain every time you go out, and you're likely not going to stay completely dry doing a trail repair in the rain no matter what either. So it's a good idea to keep a chamois-style towel or two in the wet weather kit as well. Now, these can be had for about a buck a piece, so don't splurge here either. Even the little dinky ones from the tool stores work really well for drying off your head, face, neck, and arms after a good soaking. You wring it out, you're good to go again. They're infinitely reusable, they're cheap, and they don't take up more room than like about a deck of cards. So between a few sets of gloves, a few ponchos or a rain suit, and a small tarp and a couple of tire bags and a chamois towel or two, the whole wet weather trail repair kit can fit easily and cleverly into, into a cleverly packed plastic container or ammo can even. Oh, and by the way, I'd be surprised if you spent more than $20 putting one or even two of these things together. So it's practical to have a couple on hand at all times. Let me know if you've got something like this in your own Jeep. And next week, we're going to be going over virtually the same thing, but set up for snow instead. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out. You know, uh, you don't even have to have be doing trail repairs in, in a horrible weather like you're describing here. Uh, when I w recently went to uh, Barnwell, uh, it had been raining a few days beforehand, and uh, the um, the iron-rich clay out there was uh, was oh. very was very wet. Yeah, and, that stuff will hold on to moisture for a long time. Yeah, and I was having problems just getting down where I could um, uh, disconnect the uh, the sway bar. It was uh, so muddy. Uh, it wasn't like a thick mud, but it was sticking to everything. Yeah. So just me sticking my arm in there uh, with the tire, uh, you know, pushed to one side, I was still getting muddy on my arm and my clothing, which was going to be taken back into the Jeep. And in, back in fact, into the Jeep, yeah. And, and right now, there's still a lot of red dirt on the inside of the Jeep. The outside's clean, and uh, chunks are still falling off uh, as I drive to and from work. But <laughs> as far as as far as looking, well, it's not like I didn't try to wash it. I did, but you know, there's but mud gets places. If yeah. you if you people have ever been mudding, you know what I'm talking about. I think this is the thing that people hate about. Uh, going in the mud so much as you just you never can get all the mud off. But anyway, uh, one of these kits could be handy for you whenever you're trust trying to do something in a muddy environment and not trying to bring uh, and you're trying to keep the crap out of the inside of your Jeep because it could really make the off-road uh, adventure uh, a little less uh, friendly, a little less uh, interesting for you. I know everybody gets dirty. It's not a big deal. It's a Jeep. But if it's your daily driver, especially one of those uh, pristine, pretty JLs or JKs, I don't know if you want all that crap in there for a day of wheeling. You know, those uh, those cheap microfiber uh, cl cleaning towels you can get for a three-pack for like two bucks at Harbor Freight work awesome as just, you know, a quick grab towel that you need to wipe off your arm with some mud or something like that. And you chuck them on the floorboard or into a plastic bag or something like that. You know, I mean, for something that's, you know, it, it's usable like a paper towel, but is reusable so you can, you know, use it a couple few times throughout the day. Those things are invaluable and they're so cheap. They're just so handy to have on hand. Oh, you know uh, what those things catch on the, uh, I don't know, the little bit of skin and stuff that's around the uh, their fingernails. It just catches oh, on that. Little... I hate that feeling. But I did I did remember to take a, a roll of shop towels uh, with me, which, uh, you oh, know, the there blue you ones, go. which uh, basically yeah. the same thing. Although I like the reusability of the uh, of the towels you were talking about. 
Well, not only that, I mean, a whole roll of paper towels t- does take up a little bit of room. I mean, if you get down there a little bit, a little ways, and you only got ten percent left, you can kind of smush it up a little bit, and it kind of takes up less room. But, uh, but you know, when you're when when room is of a critical, when when space is critical, and and really you're 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 kind of packing for you know a week long expedition trip or something like that, you know, you, every square inch really becomes very valuable. So, um, you know, something like this can really set you up. To, to make a wet weather uh, trail repair a lot easier on you. So uh, if you got one, I want to see what it looks like. Shoot us some pictures. Let us know what you pack in yours. Love to compare notes. Well, fortunately, I wheel in a station wagon, so I, got, yeah. I do have room. <laughs> hey, anything to add? Maybe you have a question for Tech Talk or a topic that you would like for us to cover. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Hi, this is Randall Spear from Dana Aftermarket, and you're listening to the Jeep Talk Show. Extreme Terrain's Meredith Evesu has been on a roll, producing inspiring Wrangler-themed YouTube video content for the world to see. In Extreme Terrain's latest Throttle Out episode, Meredith gets her hands on a very lucky JLU Rubicon for a complete top-to-bottom uplift of armor, lighting, recovery gear, wheels, and a big ol' honkin' set of 37-inch tires. Featuring a laundry list of new JL Wrangler parts from Deegan 38, named for famed motocross champion Brian Deegan, Meredith turns some wrenches while explaining the functional benefits of the Jeep parts chosen. Now, after the project is all buttoned up, Meredith takes the JL Rubicon for a test drive to discuss the handling and ride quality of the TerraFlex suspension paired with the Falcon shock absorbers. Give it a view by clicking the link in today's show notes for Jeep Talk Show episode 420. Hi, guys. This is Rodney with Jeepers Outpost been a while since I've called in a Jeep story, so we'll call this one the eBay Jeep. When this story happened, I had a 1997 uh, Patriot Blue Jeep TJSE. Now, at the time, I worked night shift, and so what i do before, you know, before my shift would start the next day, I'd stay up real, real late that night to prep myself. Generally get bored, sit around the house doing nothing, so find myself on eBay. I was going through eBay looking for some deals and bidding on Jeeps here and there that, you know, I thought were too low and just knew they weren't going to sell. I finally came across one Jeep, Fire Engine Red, Tony. Uh, <laughs> it was a 97 Jeep Sport, Jeep, uh, Jeep Wrangler Sport. I put in bids. There was, there was, there was no bids. It was $4,500 was the asking price. Guys that had Lincoln Locker in it. So I put in a bid. I, I was the only bidder on it. You know, I knew the Jeep was too cheap, and I knew there'd be other bidders. Shut down the computer, went to bed. Didn't think, didn't think anything of it till like a week later, after one of my shifts. I was, I was uh, sleeping. Wife burst into the bedroom with a phone in her hand, and she's like, "Did you buy another Jeep?" <laughs> no, I think so. Not me, honey. And she said, "Well, this guy on the phone says that you bought his Jeep on eBay." I was like, "Oh, oh. shit." <laughs> I get up, run to the computer, check my account, and sure enough, I was the one and only bidder. I bought this guy's Jeep, uh, paid $4,600 for it. Well, being a man of my word, I uh, I uh, made a deal with this guy, gave him an uh, extra $300 to bring the Jeep down to me. He was in Tennessee, and I was in Florida. Brought the Jeep down to me, dumped it off, got it, and he was a little bit beat up, and in fact, uh, you know, it offered before made a deal for him to bring it down. I said, hey, I'll just fly up there and drive it back. And guess, yeah, you probably don't want to do that. And I said, oh, great, what have I bought? <laughs> anyway, one of the things I did, I, did, I was cleaning out the fan that worked on it. So I got in there and said, what's wrong with the fan? And 
Next thing you know, I'm digging mud out of the pan. So apparently the Jeep had been swamped. But anyway, I, I drove it for actually several, several years as my trail Jeep. I had a great time in it. And I actually, in the end, uh, sold the Jeep for a little bit of a profit. So Sweet. that was my eBay Jeep story. Uh, you guys stay tuned and, uh, maybe in a few weeks, I'll call you back and tell you how I wound up with my third TJ. You got a loving wife, that's for sure. You guys, uh, keep up the great work and we'll talk to you next time. I wonder if he's talking about the story, heater Rodney. fan, uh, the you know the fan used for the AC and the heater, or if he's talking about the radiator fan. I, I, got, I think it was the heater fan he was talking about. I think it was the heater fan too, and here it was swamped. Was. I was like, oh man, that thing must have been really swamped. <laughs> oh, that was that, a great story, Rodney. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about right there. Yeah, Everybody's got a Jeep story. Somebody's got more than one or two. That's good stuff, Rodney. Thank I would you. be scared as hell to buy a vehicle off of eBay. That's sight that's... unseen. Forty six hundred dollars plus three hundred for delivery. Goodness gracious! Yeah, that sounded like uh, personal that takes delivery. Some it was the guy drove it to him. I mean, you know, that's the thing that, that sounded. Uh, at least that's what I got out of it. Yeah, you probably don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Red flag. <laughs> What the hell did I get myself into? So I'm complaining yeah, about mud dropping off my Jeep as I'm driving it down the, the road. Can you imagine uh, complaining about mud when you turn the, the fan on? <laughs> <laughs> right? Get dirt clawed the, in the face. What the hell Ow, is that? that? You need a face mask. So you just, you just make it there. Hey, if you've been missing our guest interviews, uh, they'll be back next episode, 421. So stay tuned. Yeah, and don't forget the Jeep Talk Show is always taking guest submissions as well. And we definitely don't think we're too big for our britches to, you know, talk to the little guys. So if you want to be a guest here on the show to talk shop, talk trail, talk mods, or talk about your own build, or even ours, well, or even promote your own business, whatever it may be, we'd love to have you on the show. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and let us know you're interested in being on the show. Trust me, it's fun and a lot easier than you think. What do you mean we're not too big to talk to little guys? We are the little guys. <laughs> <laughs> From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. That's got to tell you a story I just saw on Facebook. And if it's on the internet, you know it's got to be true. Now, somewhere up in Minnesota, found in the ice a man. They expect to be a caveman or something. So uh, they, they chipped him out of the ice, put him in a garage, and uh, somebody mistakenly left the heater on, and it thawed. And the next thing you know, we get some phone calls from Super Croc. Way to go, Super Croc. Uh, <laughs> missed you, buddy. Glad to hear from you. Now, if we can only get Denver D to call in, the whole gang will be back together again. But that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to t- tell Josh that uh, I agree with you. I've been on the trail rides before with people I've not found desirable, and... Uh, left early and matter of fact it happens all the time you know we stop for lunch somebody gets out and throws a ball i go chase it when i get back everybody's gone but the joke's on them because somebody's always driving a jeep and as you know it leaks oil and i just follow the trail of oil until i find them it ain't easy to get rid of nikki g i'm like a virus all right boys and girls i'll chat you later you have a good one bye I swear, as God is my witness, I when he said the jokes on them, I got a free ball. I thought that's what he was going to say. <laughs> it's a deep oh. podcast, fellas. <laughs> Nikki G, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> you must have needed this every day. I need it. 
It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. Now, this week, I've got something for you. If you've ever so much as ever sat in a what Wrangler. What the well, hell is this thing? I'm just looking uh, at you, this in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever so much as even sat in a Wrangler, you already know that they're not exactly built with a whole lot of storage in mind. So anytime we see a new Wrangler storage solution product come around that is, you know, at a reasonable price and serves a practical function, well, we like to bring it to the attention of the Jeep world. Now, this week's must-have item for your Jeep is uh, for those who are lucky enough to own one of the new generation of JL Wranglers or the, the JT Gladiator pickup truck. Now, this is the Quadratech Grab Bar Tray, and as its name clearly suggests, it's a small storage tray that just slides into that space between the grab handle slot and your dash. At that point, installation is finished. No tape or any tools required. It works great for holding everything from loose change to snacks or a passenger cell phone. Made of rigid ABS plastic, this thing is built to withstand the rigors of off-road snacking demands. Just be aware that anything you stick in there will become a projectile in the event of a crash or rollover. Thank you. So probably <laughs> not the best place for your letter opener or spare framing nails. I'm just saying. Or fingers. And, well, you know, <laughs> for 24, I mean, it's 25 bucks for this thing. I mean, it's relatively inexpensive. You get an extra place for storage. I think that's a win-win in my book. So. Uh, and the way the thing's made, it, it almost looks like it was there from the factory. So a uh, pretty cool little thing. Check it out. We'll have a link for you in the show notes for this episode. Now that you must have one of these things for your very own, we'll make it easy for you. Just go to episode 420, check out the show notes and, uh, check out that link. You can get one for your very self. So as I alluded to, could you imagine having stuff in there and then somebody goes to use that grab bar and they put their fingers into the All right, this is peanut butter. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> or it could be a, oh, you know, if you got kids, you know what's going to be in there. Anything sticky is going to be in there. But now, if you were going across country, maybe to go wheeling or something, this would be great for cell phones, tablets, uh, all kinds yeah. of crap you could put in there. Absolutely. So it would be really good for that. But I personally, I think it'd be a great idea if you if you think of it before it gets bad. Take that out, put it someplace else when you go off road. Because just like oh, Josh was go. saying, it's going to be a, it's going to be a mess. Hey, coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear about some events that are coming up in your hometown and maybe even around the nation in Wheeling Wear. All right, Josh, you know I live vicariously through you. Are you going off-road or anything uh, soon? Say well, yes, you know, lie so to me. The last, the last couple of weeks, I've, <laughs> I've talked about you know going out and uh, trying to find some snow. In fact, we've had our snow level drop significantly over here the last couple of weeks. We're supposed to get a whole bunch of snow this week. Wow, it was supposed to be cool. awesome. I'm, I'm talking like five or six inches or more. We got a dusting. I mean, literally like oh. a quarter inch, maybe. Uh, it all ended up blowing north. Seattle got most of it, um, and it's it's moving its way through the through the Midwest and uh, and off to the East Coast now. Uh, and the rest of what uh, what that system is producing is just absolute torrential downpour rain, which was supposed to be snow. <laughs> but whatever, I'm not bitter or mad. Uh, but so I'm That's kind of itching for some snow. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is that I spent last weekend getting the Jeep ready because I was expecting that I'm not going to be able to drive my car into work. Oh, yeah. I'm going to need to drive the Jeep, and so right. I got the Jeep all set up for winter weather. You know, I got my uh, you know everything ready to go. Now. It's just sitting there in the garage still where it's been sitting for the last week. But you so, you were touching me and feeling me and all getting yeah, me all ready. You get me all excited. Now I'm just sitting here. So, yeah, I know, so, I know that look. Now, before I tackled all of that, I was actually uh, helping out one of our listeners. And uh, you know what they say, Tony? No, no good deed goes unpunished. 
And uh, and we had a listener that wrote into the show, and he was asking uh, for some electrical help. And um, I think he'd even blamed me, I think, for the problem or something <laughs> like that. You know, this is probably your fault. You know, uh, but uh, but no, he called in about about some windows that weren't working in his Cherokee, and and how to you know wh- where do I start? You know, what could this be causing this? I've done this, I've done that. Uh, help me out. And so um, you know, I'm I'm helping him out with, uh, and it was the same same uh, year ranges of Cherokees I have. I think his was like a 97, maybe it was a, a 99, I can't remember. In any event, it was the same, roughly the same generation as mine. Um, and so to help him out very specifically, I wanted to get make sure that he, I could give him wire colors. You know, hey, oh, probe man. this wire, look for this. So I went out into the garage, I pulled a couple of door panels, and I'm, you know, I'm looking um, uh, for my, you know, the wires that are going in and out of my window switches and, and into the motor and, and lock wires and stuff like that. And I'm basically just, you know, sort of taking notes about what I'm going to be, you know, uh, telling this guy where he needs to look and, and what he's going to be looking for and looking at and all this sort of stuff. And I snapped a couple pictures and, and all that sort of stuff as well. Spent, you know, a couple of hours writing out this big, huge write up for him and, and teaching him, you know, or telling him, you know, how to do this and how to do that and do some basic troubleshooting and, and stuff like that. So fast forward to uh, Sunday, and I'm going to the grocery store. I was like, oh, I'm going to take the Jeep, and uh, it's it's cold, and it's not it hasn't really started snowing yet or anything like that. It's um you know just get a little bit of rain and everything, and and so I pull the Jeep out, and I'm you know a few blocks down the way. I was like, oh, I should probably roll these windows up. Wait a minute, it's not working here. What's what's going on? And so and then I'm I'm thinking it's like great, I freaking jinxed myself. Helping this guy out with the exact same problem that I just now inherited by vicariously helping him out or, you know, I don't know what the heck happened. So drove all the way to the store and back with, uh, with a window, the, the rear passenger window that wouldn't roll up. And I'm like, what the hell did I do? You know, here at the end of the day, you know, I'm all repeating myself over and over again. No good deed goes unpunished. This is what you get for helping people out, Josh, you know. So, uh, but no, it's, uh, I, I got back and, and, uh, put the groceries away and all that sort of stuff and, and started tearing into it. You know what I did, Tony? I didn't plug the plug back in. There you go. <laughs> Something so stupid. But the, and I was but like, the oh, pictures there you were go. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, it was, uh, it was, it was one of those things where it's kind of one of those interesting stories. You know, I go to help somebody out, I go through all this trouble and then I ends up, uh, causing myself, uh, some issues as well, but, uh, easily rectified. I mean, you can have those door panels off on a, on a mid uh, generation Cherokee for, I mean, I think in like 30 seconds, if you know what you're doing. So, uh, it was a very easy, quick fix. I pulled that off. I instantly saw what was going on. It's like, ah, oh, you doofus. Let's just go ahead and plug this back in. And then everything started working right. So, you know, yeah, so, with literally a half century in the motor electronics industry, I'm really surprised you didn't. I mean, that would be a write-up uh, if a customer had uh, had to bring that back and it wasn't plugged in. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, it's like, you know, I came in here for this and now this doesn't No, I would have been paying for that, that's for sure. Uh, no, actually, uh, when you said no, uh, the help, uh, helping a listener bites me in the ass, I was afraid that he actually had driven to your house <laughs> and removed, you know, the, one of the regulators to fix his problem. And then that was how, what happened with you. But this, uh, is, this is just uh, Murphy's law that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But, uh, so I got a chuckle out of it. It was, yeah. uh, it wasn't anything that, you know, pissed me off or ruined my day or anything like that. And the window was half down and, you know, it really wasn't, and I wasn't doing a major grocery shopping trip. It wasn't pouring down rain. And even if it was, it still wouldn't have been that big of a deal. So so, yeah, it was uh, it was good times. So when you leave the the, the Jeep windows down, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get some hate mail for this. When you because what windows? When you leave the Jeep windows down, you know what you get in your Jeep? Spiders. Uh, oh, I have you park under a tree. 
<laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to freak you out. So, um, you know, I, I made some uh, allusions to uh, takedown notices, and uh, I got a. But uh, we just got one as as message. we're recording the show. No, actually, <laughs> earlier today, I, I got a takedown notice from uh, the the folks that made uh, our uh, coffee cups and T-shirts and everything like that. There was a uh, somebody complained about our logo. Uh, now I don't know who I've asked them who complained about the logo that I designed and uh, I'm waiting to hear back, but I'm wondering if it was Jeep. I wonder if Jeep is, uh, saying, Oh, no, you know, the, the 59 be. cents you're making on these shirts is, uh, you know, hurting our, hurting our business here. Please. As if, ah, uh, it, it very well could be. And, uh, you know, we're, we're ready, uh, at, at a moment's notice to change the name of the show folks. So uh, yeah, just, yeah. Hope it doesn't come to that. No, but, I've been uh, I've been told by uh, by attorneys the uh, it shouldn't be a problem because well I don't want I don't wanna, I don't want to overplay this. I've been told by an attorney. Well, it was a bus station and they said they were an attorney. Maybe not in this country, but anyway, they said that it was uh, the 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 font we're using for Jeep is completely different than what Jeep uses. So. There really shouldn't be an issue. So, but you know, people can do takedown notices for any reason, legal or otherwise. Yeah, and yeah, if, and if to, you've got billions of dollars that they can spend in legal fees, so yeah, hell, we're we're ready to change names at a moment's notice. Contingency plans, people. Look yep. at us. It'll it'll still look like Jeep, but there'll be uh, uh, two shooting fingers in the uh, where the G's where the E's are. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Give them both barrels. Yep, yep. So uh, nothing major going on. Uh, I, I now, think, Tony, you've got a you got a three day weekend coming up, don't you? Yes. And uh, what are you going to do with yourself? Impromptu three day weekend, kind of a well, kind of spur of the moment surprise sort you. of thing. Uh, speaking of being jinxed, uh, my uh, my battery's acting up after only three oh. years of use. No, you got something else going on. You got a ground happening, and maybe your alternator is kind of funky or something. Ah, you lose nope. connection, some corrosion, something. Nope. I don't know, man. That, 14, that seems kind of... 14 volts easily uh, whenever I crank it up. Now, it's usually a little below 14 volts, but uh, since the battery is so low, it's mm-hmm. uh, the alternator is putting out a little more juice. Now, mm-hmm. electrical system's doing well. I did a lot of uh, testing yesterday and uh, cleaned up the uh, the uh, posts on the battery just to make sure that maybe there wasn't a little corrosion. Uh, yeah. the, the battery, and actually I had, uh, strangely enough, multiple Jeeps to actually uh, uh, take uh, voltage readings from. Uh, I was curious about what a charged battery voltage should be because I was looking at uh, uh, 11.7 volts on my battery. That's a little low. 12.6 is right about where you exactly. want to be. And that, that was after driving at home a good 20-something miles. So, really? Yeah. Wow, I'm kind of surprised. Yeah. Oh, very so, surprised. So yeah, I, think, you, I think it's a battery. But anyway, I checked the other Jeeps, and yeah, exactly like you said, 12.5, 12.7. Uh, and uh, so I've gone to unplugging anything that's uh, like the, the, the GPS system I have. And uh, I think maybe what's happening is the the uh, the Android head unit or the Android uh, stereo that I have in there maybe pulling pulls some extra juice. But, but it shouldn't. I mean, usually those have an ignition wire that is hooked up as well that turns all of its internal systems off when you turn the ignition off. And, and really, well, the only it, has, thing that- it has quick startup. So it doesn't actually mm. boot up whenever you uh, start the Jeep. It, it's like instant on. So it, part of it's alive. And I don't know. I actually need to measure the current draw yeah, on the I unit would. itself. Uh, and uh, I did the uh, I did the, the the method that I use, which is pull one of the cables off the battery and put the meter in line, and you know putting on amps and see what the amps are. And four hundred milliamps. So it's about ten times more than what it should be. 
And yeah, that, like is, I that said, is kinda high. And like I said, I suspect it's that Android head unit. But it has not had a problem in the months and months and months that I've had that in there. Uh, so anyway, I think I, I will. I, I would suggest doing one other thing, Tony. No, it's uh, too much you, work. You, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> no, I was going to say, for our listeners, the, go ahead and let them know. Pop the caps on the top of your battery. Off. If if it is a serviceable battery, in which no, it's case an Optima. You can, oh, okay. And that's another nah, thing no that pisses do. me off. No can do. Yeah. I'll continue the thought for those who have lead acid batteries out there running into a similar situation that, that Tony is running into. Um, and this sort of plays into some of that electrical testing that we were talking about in some of the previous episodes. Um, but one of the things you should be doing to, you know, to you know, eliminate any other possibilities of, of something else going on would be to pop the, the, the caps off on the, on the battery itself. And these are the vent caps that it will actually give you access to the actual internal cells of the battery themselves itself. And each of those uh, compartments, there's going to be, you know, uh, eight, six, ten of them, uh, whatever, depending on the size of your battery there, uh, maybe even more, um, are going to are gonna have, uh, should be filled with water all the way up to the top of them or, you know, right up to where uh, the plug covering fits, the plates, in, fits into the least, hole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At the very least, covering the plates. So I was going to ask you uh, if you had done that. Obviously, you can't. It's an Optima. It's a dry cell battery. They're they're sealed batteries, and and they're they're non serviceable. Um, but a, a lead acid battery, um, this is something that you can do. Anybody can do. And generally, it's uh, just you can do it with a uh, a flat head screwdriver, a little panel popper tool, something like that. And you pop the caps off the top of the battery. Usually, these rectangular caps or something like that, uh, sitting right on top of the battery. Uh, look up YouTube videos. It's a very easy process to do. And just a visual inspection to see where that water level is. And then you're going to want to fill that up with, uh, just, I mean, filtered water, you know, right out of a filtered, you know, a bottled water, you know, that sort of thing works just fine. Distilled water, it would be, it would be even that's better I, to that's use. That's what I always used was distilled. Yeah. In a pinch, you can use the stuff that, uh, that is filtered. You don't want to, you know, put stuff that has a lot of mineral content or oh, chlorine no. or, you know, stuff like that. You're going to end up, uh, decreasing the life of that battery pretty right. quick. So, Hose water is not what we want to use. No, here. no, 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 uh, no, definitely not that. And and just because it says electrolytes does not mean you want to put Gatorade, Gatorade in your battery. Nope. Yeah, Save no, don't want to do that either. So <laughs> distilled water, you get it for like a buck at your grocery store. It's a gallon. Oh, and you'll, yeah, tastes you'll last horrible. A lifetime. Oh yeah, no, don't drink. It. Don't drink. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, you really brought back the the memories because I remember my old uh, Nova, and I would be uh, the, if there was a battery issue, I'd pop those things and look and see if it was low, and yeah, add a little bit of water, and then boy, the battery's back to life. That'd yeah, be nice. Back to life. But little over three years for this Optima Yellow Top, and I'm I'm gonna have to buy a new one, Josh. You know what? That the same is thing not happened. Right. Same thing happened with my Yellow Top. I had when I uh, set up my dual battery system in my Cherokee. And I went through a lot of uh, a lot of work and trouble to to engineer that to where I could get two batteries in there with my own creation. Right. And um and I so I wanted it to look nice. I wanted there to be you know good equipment in there. And so I sprung for two yellow top Optima batteries. They didn't last me but three years, and maybe even not even that much. So yeah, Tony, uh, yellow top probably not the most ideal uh, solution for the Cherokees, and I think I know why. Now, I've talked with a couple of hot rod guys about this over the years because it's been several years now that I've, I've since rectified that issue. Um, but what it is is the Yellow Top specifically, the Optima Battery Yellow Top series, likes to see very, very high amperage. We're talking in the two or 300 amp range um, for, for charging purposes. Usually, typically twice or three times what a typical alternator will put, put out. And most of our Jeeps, 99% of the Jeeps out on the road out there, unless you've got like a, one of the top of the line mean green alternators or something like that, 
you're only putting out 100 amps or less right. of juice out of your alternator, not enough to sufficiently charge those yellow top Optima batteries. The red tops, I think it's okay. The blue tops, I don't think that you've got enough juice really to, to for those super duper deep cycle batteries. And I think the yellow top is just that much more. I mean, it, it's kind of uh, it, is is sort of in that range as well. There's too much capacitance that you just never get enough juice flowing in and out of them to really bring them up to a full charge. And after three years of not ever really being fully charged, they just sort of start puttering out. And yeah, you're you're on its last leg. What was that thing that you talked about uh, years ago now about bringing a uh, uh, an Optima battery uh, back to life, an AGM battery back to life? It, so I that think was it was using, when the voltage got too low and you needed to put another battery in there to... Yeah, because most, most uh, modern day battery chargers now have a smart sense technology built into them to where they're, they're not going to allow voltage to pass down the line if there's too much resistance. Uh, for instance, a dead short, right. uh, you hooked it, hooked it up wrong. Or if the battery is just so, so incredibly drained that it's, you know, it's below six volts, in which case, and typically the threshold is, is probably around um, eight or nine volts. But, you know, you get down that far and the battery charger is thinking, okay, this, this is just too risky of a procedure. We're not going to allow voltage to pass through. So we're just, it's going to go into a safe motor, you know, something like that. Now you can trick them by hooking up two batteries in, in, in line. And uh, in, in parallel, parallel, right? Yeah. Right. In parallel. So positive, positive, negative to negative. And you do that with like a pair of jumper cables. And then you hook up your battery charger to the Optima, you know, and, and uh, you're allowing this. So that extra capacitance, that, that resistance there, that's going to confuse the battery charger. Think that it has a regular battery on it and you can actually get the voltage to go through. Now you're going to be monitoring this with your voltmeter and hands because if things start to get too hot, well, then you're going to go ahead and start disconnecting some stuff. And your voltmeter, and once you get up above like, around 10 volts or so, you're going to go ahead and disconnect that other battery. And the battery charger at that point can continue to charge that Optima battery as if it was a normal charging procedure. Well, actually, you could, uh, since you're going to be hooking the batteries up in parallel, they're going to balance between the two. So you, if you had a fully charged second battery, you could actually just let it charge the other battery up to a sufficient voltage and then put the charger on, couldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. That would also work as well. People generally don't have the patience for that. You're talking about something that would generally take, you know, overnight, several yeah, hours yeah. Worth, of, worth of time. And generally people don't have the patience for that. They want instant gratification. I've got to take this thing to work tomorrow. I need this done now. Yeah. So yeah, you, you're, although you're right, Tony, it's not really practical for, for most people. Right. Nobody would uh, do it. I was just thinking about the heating thing. Now, two batteries connected to each other are going to warm up as well. But I was just thinking about uh, the, the, uh, the charger uh, making things hot. Um, well, you you say something interesting. You know, I actually went to the yellow top uh, because I was having problems with the red tops dying on me much sooner than what I anticipated. And um, now I, uh, I'm having problems with the yellow top. I'm thinking maybe I should go with the letter, uh, the, well, let me back up. I wasn't going to buy another Optima to replace this one because I've had problems uh -huh. with the red tops. I've had problems mm -hmm. with the yellow top. So I'm not going blue because it's a deep cycle battery. And, you know, what, what else is out there? So I did some Google searching about the, you know, the top 10 batteries. And you sure. know what the number one battery uh, is on most of those lists? Optima. Lead acid. No, oh. Optima. <laughs> yeah, you know, in a lot of circles, uh, people swear by them. And honestly, you know, working in the automotive electronics field for over a decade, I swear swore by them for years and years as well. Now, when they came out, when they hit the scene, Optima honestly was cutting-edge technology, state-of-the-art. I think they were things better than, too. Of, yeah, and, and, well, now things, uh, 
they, they, they've lost their patents or, you know, the, 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 uh, the exclusivity of the patent or whatever has expired. And so now you have other companies that are producing dry cell batteries that are just as good, if not better in some cases, than Optima's. So, you know, honestly, and in my situation, I didn't want to go back to Optima either. And even though I thought about going with um, a different style in the AGM battery, I just kind of sort of left a bad taste in my mouth. And I wasn't going to spring another, you know, six or $700 on batteries uh, for, a, for a system that wasn't going to last another three years. So I decided to go with lead acid. And I didn't go with the entry level. I decided to go with a sort of a midline top, uh, you know, a, a high midline uh, battery. Not necessarily top of the line. Again, don't want to fork out all that cash. But I don't want to get something so cheap that I'm going to have to worry about it. Right. Um, so I got, I got two matching lead acid batteries. And that was the thing. Matching, same series. Same uh, size, same full cranking amps, the whole kit and caboodle, identical uh, in, in every way. And uh, they've been in there now for two plus years, and I haven't had any issues uh, with them at all. Even with it, you know, the Jeep sitting in my garage for sometimes as much as two or three weeks or more without getting started. So uh, I, 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 you know, I swore by the dry cell for years and years and years. And, uh, and anymore, I, I just, I, it's not there. It, the lead acid is, is, is as good of a performer for at least this kind of stuff. Now, that being said, if you are going to relocate batteries to inside the cab, oh, yeah. then absolutely, you have to go dry cell batteries. You have to go with the AGM batteries just because of the acid, because of sulfuric acid fumes, because of a number of issues. You do not want to use a lead acid battery inside the cab of your Jeep. Whether it's a Cherokee, whether it's a Wrangler, whether it's a Grand Wagoneer, it doesn't matter. It's a hard rule here, folks. So yeah. just uh, you know, adhere to that one, if nothing else. Yeah, I think there's a potential of uh, hydrogen generation and hydrogen buildup and off-gassing, and uh, can cause a uh, a really nasty fire. Think Hindenburg. So, oh, uh, <laughs> so I doubt that that would happen, but it's it's just not a good idea to have that. And I mean, could you imagine carrying some jerry cans and a lead acid battery oh, and all kinds of stuff on the back? <laughs> What's you know? that fireball up on the side of that mountain? <laughs> Holy cow. That's pretty. It's at the 4th of July. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just not a good idea. So, um, let me ask you, I might go lead acid this time. Um, mm -hmm. what's the, is there a real downside? I'm not planning on, uh, rolling my Jeep over. <laughs> so is there a, right. a real issue? I mean, that's one of the reasons why I went with the, uh, the AGM battery was I wanted to not have to worry about spilling the, uh, the battery acid out of the battery. I guess worst case is if that did happen, you just put more distilled water in it. Honestly, you're exactly right. And you would have to be in one hell of a precarious position uh, for, for, for you to spill that acid. You would have to be upside down. You would have to be well past on your side. We're talking about a serious flop here yeah. uh, for that to happen. Nobody plans for that. Yes, it can happen. But honestly, uh, most of us, I would like to think we kind of keep ourselves out of harm's way. And, and when we start getting to those serious off-camber positions, we start taking things very seriously and very carefully. Um, and so typically for most of us, uh, you know, 99% of the Jeepers out there are never going to experience a rollover situation. And I hope that you never do. Um, but that being said, yes, worst case scenario, you get your Jeep back over onto its, uh, you know, uh, back over onto its wheels. Uh, you burn off all the oil in the cylinders. Um, and if you have spilled some water, you know, out of your battery, um, you can refill it and, and, and get yourself uh, some more life out of that. But, uh, but are, is that the only downside? No, not necessarily. Lead acid batteries are susceptible to extreme temperatures. So if you're planning a trip through Death Valley or up to Alaska 
or something like that, maybe you want to consider um, a different battery choice for a trip like that. Um, or if you live in those kinds of situations or, or in those kinds of climates, uh, if you live up in Alaska or, you know, someplace where it gets bitterly cold for months out of the year, you might want a battery that, uh, that is, um, has a little bit better cold weather performance. Stepping up in your cold cranking amperage range or stepping up in the series of batteries. Uh, you know, if it was a silver battery, maybe you want to go with the gold this time, you know, that, that sort of thing. So, uh, it really, that would be the only other downside other than leakage would be susceptibility to extreme temperatures. Yeah. I got a problem of buying a $300 battery and basically paying a hundred dollars a year to, to use it. Uh, so yeah, that does I, w- I would rather have, book. yeah, I'd rather have a, a five, six, seven year battery. That's what I'm used to. And, uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. that's lead acid. So I may be doing that this time. I, I sure did like having that uh, the Optima's in there, but uh, I don't like it not just coming up and not working. I mean, it, they had a 36 month warranty, and I think the warranty was up in October. So, of course, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how it works. And even not then, they would works. probably prorate it. Oh, yeah, it's at 35 months, so we'll give you a nickel. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Jeez. Well, best of luck, Tony. I, I know it's. Uh, Batteries are kind of one of those things. It's also kind of a big purchase, kind of like tires and and, and things yeah. like that. Where easy it's, to fix. Uh, it's just, just yeah. pricey. Yeah, yeah. I'd never like forking out that cash. Well, would, how about you? Would you like to join in on the campfire side chat? We'd love to have you. Pull up a chair, crack a beverage, and go to jeeptalkshow.com/contact and find out all the ways you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. You just look at this weather. I think this is the perfect day to take the top off. Now, oh, what the heck is this? Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Maybe you should have checked the Jeep weather with Mitch. Hey, Jeeper. Mitch here. Today is the 17th of January, 2020, and it's time for your weekend going topless Jeep weather report. Winter is still going strong, and we still must wheel. Extreme terrain recommends a few places to go, so I'll give you the weather there. Known for powdery snow, winter sports, abundant wildlife, and epic scenery, go topless in the Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming. Conveniently, there is a city with the same name, just east of the ranges. In Bighorn, Wyoming, it will be cloudy on Friday at 28, Saturday and Sunday will be sunny at 28 and 39 degrees. Now, if you're looking for a true test of your off-roading and survival skills, wheel up Mount Washington, White Mountain Range, in New Hampshire. This weekend in Sargent's Purchase, New Hampshire, it will be snowing all weekend at 3 for Friday, 18 Saturday, and 27 on Sunday. Make sure you pre-pack and inspect your Jeep before testing your metal out there. If you want to be close to a city but still away from it all, if you love winter sports and dog sled races, then the next location is a must for going topless. Wasilla, Alaska, it will be sunny all weekend with 7 on Friday, 5 Saturday, 14 on Sunday. Lots of festivities start out here at Thanksgiving and continue through to the Iditarod in March. Lastly, go topless in St. George's, Utah. Known for having a huge winter off-roading events in January, bringing wheelers from all over the western states with plenty of trails for the novice to the ballsy. Here, it will be partly cloudy all weekend, Friday at 51, Saturday at 52, and Sunday 57 degrees. If you're curious on the Extreme Terrain's recommendations, the link will be available in the show notes. Don't forget to use the hashtag GTalkShow on social media for us to see those pictures. If you have any suggestions or want to know your local weather in an upcoming episode, go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact in order to find all the ways to get a message to me. I'm Mitch. It's always a great weekend to go topless if you're brave enough. Just go topless responsibly. Yeah, Mitch is just messing with us now. Was it Wasilla, Alaska? 
<laughs> I can't even pronounce this other one over here. No, no. I've always wanted to go to Wyoming, though. That's one of those places there. It's just the, the vistas and, and the yeah, scenery yeah, there. And yeah. I hear there's some epic world-class wheeling there. So, uh, But you know, seven? You know, if you're going topless in seven-degree <laughs> weather... I don't want. I don't want a picture. I want a video. I want to see your right. bottom jaw and, and see how fast it's going. <laughs> they have a teeth of me chattering. That's frostbite right there. Now let's get some events from around the world and maybe even in your neck of the woods. And don't forget to let us know about an event that you are involved with, are volunteering with, or are even planning. Go to our website and click and fill out our wheeling wear form. The information comes to us. We'll get it out to the rest of the jeepers out there. Now, I just love this event. This is King of the Hammers, folks. And if you haven't ever checked out King of the Hammers before, make 2020 the year that you at least expose yourself to what really Ultra 4 racing is all about. King of the Hammers is some of the most insane world-class off-road racing that you have ever seen. And each and every year, they do a better job of presenting it to the public. And so if you want to check out some of just the most insane terrain and some of the most incredible wheeling you have ever seen, by all means, go check it out. Ultra4Racing.com is where you go for all that information. King of the Hammers, happening January 31st through February 9th in Johnson Valley, California, where they turn Johnson Valley into Hammertown. Also happening, uh, Valentine's Day weekend is uh, February 15th and the 16th, the Midwest Overlanding and Off-Road Expedition. This is happening in the Ozark Empire Fairgrounds in Springfield, Missouri. Now, check it out. If you are uh, in- interested in going to this there are three guided caravans that do a gigantic two-and-a-half-hour, no-pavement, all-off-road journey from S'more Off-Road Park to the Moore Expo Center. Uh, so if you want to get involved with that, that looks really cool. We'll have a link to the YouTube videos where you can check out a sort of a promo uh, promotional video where they, um, they do this. They call it the S'more to Moore Adventure Route. Uh, s'more to more adventure out so uh, we'll check that out and of course for more information more events and links please visit the jeeptalkshow.com website for this episode where you can get all the good stuff that's it for the show for this week my fellow jeeper until next week be sure to tell a friend about the show and to help us spread the word and as always thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded jeep podcast you know, contrary to popular belief, I'm I'm really a nice guy. Helpful, friendly, you know, the type of guy that'll offer to scrub your back in the shower. So I don't need all this, who the hell are you and how did you get in here nonsense. Okay, people? Podcasting since 2010.